0: I help run a company called impact due diligence investigations if you need anything in terms of investigative services feel free to contact me at impact if i can't help you personally i'll certainly direct you to the right person or agency hey guys welcome back to boston confidential we got a big story today but just some housekeeping stuff first. we got a tremendous response on the thomas shea case i should actually retitle that and call it the jeremiah hurley case because to name it after that ass hat thomas shea does everybody a disservice but i did have a couple of questions that came in via email and if you're looking to get a hold of me that's probably the best way barry at bostonconfidential.net and i had some questions around Shay's sentence originally he was convicted Of the conspiracy to commit murder and other charges at the federal level but he was granted a retrial I forget what the reasoning was and during this retrial they offered him a plea it was a 10-year sentence in prison and he took it so that's why he only ended up doing 10 years he actually ended up doing less than 10 years because he had some time off for good behavior I've always had some problems with that guy's sentence. It was so short, and the guy Trinkler who made the bomb is still in the joint, and they both should be, and they should never get out. Also, guys, don't forget about your homework assignment. You're to watch the HBO special Trial 4 regarding the assassination of Boston police officer Mulligan by Sean Ellis of Boston, so don't forget Put that on your schedule, get it done. You got homework, get to it. I'm kidding, guys. I've been slacking as well. I'm a little reluctant, honestly, to watch this because I remember this case when it happened and I don't remember there being a crap ton of doubt about it. And again, I've had some real problems with Netflix crime shows, right? And Making a Murderer is at the top of that list. There's been so many corrections to that documentary just one of them that blows the whole case out of the water. They made a whole big deal out of there was a needle mark in a blood vial, and they're taking it out, and they undo all the trappings and the wrappings of this package because they have to keep the blood at a certain temperature or whatever. So they do that, and they see a needle mark at the end where the rubber stopper goes, and they're saying that's how this blood was tampered with. But what he didn't see is there was a chemist who was operating this blood test. And she says, that's how it's done every single time. That's how all of the blood gets into the tube. And in making a murder, they spent about 45 minutes disparaging the whole police department due to this test. And the test was done correctly. So there's a lot of that in making a murderer. And the last thing I'll say on it, the Brendan Macy, Dacey, I don't know what the kid's name is. And he said that he had witnessed his uncle torturing the female victim in this case, and he participated as well. Guess what? I believe him. I watched that case, I watched the show. He wasn't interrogated harshly. This was a mild interrogation, but they're saying, oh, he's a juvenile and he's got special needs. I don't think these detectives could have been any lighter on that kid. And he confessed. And that's what people don't like about it this kid confessed but all right i'm gonna leave making a murderer there but go do your homework all right guys i've been ramping up to this case for a while when i started this podcast i knew i was gonna have to do it it was horrific and i remember it pretty well growing up i was 18 when this case occurred and i remember my mother being extremely upset about it and that was kind of how it was in the whole neighborhood This case is so disturbing. I don't know where to begin, so I'll just jump right in as we usually do, I guess. The case I'm talking about is the case of Sean Ouellette from 1986. The case occurred in Canton, Massachusetts, and I'll tell you a little bit about Canton. It's a beautiful suburb. I believe it borders Milton on one side and Randolph on the other side. It's a pretty well-heeled community. Due to its proximity to Boston, a lot of people commute into the city. There's a commuter rail station there as well, and it's a beautiful town. It just really is. It was then. It was a little more rural then or a little more suburban. It's a little more urban now. It's so close to the city, but it's still a beautiful town. So in 1986, the Olets had just arrived in Canton, Massachusetts. They moved from another suburban Boston community, dead of Massachusetts, not too far away. So they were kind of like the new family. Sean Ouellette was a kind of a chubby kid. He seemed kind of gregarious, and he was making friends. It was just taking a little bit of time, and things were going fine. And he was in school, and he was doing the right thing. So Sean Ouellette meets some friends at school, and they're all about 14. Sean was 14, this kid Rod Matthews that had a friend of him was also 14. There was a group of kids, one kid called Cashman and another member of the group. And they all kind of hung out together and doing their thing. Sean played hockey. It's a typical suburban setup here. That's one of the things that is so disturbing. It's just an everyday occurrence here. But things are going to go sideways pretty quickly. And I should probably give you a warning. This is a very violent episode. And I can't pull any punches, you know that. So, be advised, there's some violence involving children in this case. If you can't handle that type of episode, you might want to bail on it, and I completely understand. But we're going to get to the case right now. So, it's the fall, late fall of 1986, and during this time, 14-year-old Rod Matthews had told two of his friends that he was interested in killing somebody he wanted to either beat them with a bat or stab them to death. And he talked about this quite frequently to these two kids. And it kind of progressed. He developed a hit list. And the people on Rod Matthews' hit list were his classmates. And the friends that he was dealing with were Robert Peterson and Jonathan Cash. He would tell this story all the time, how he was going to kill this one or kill that one. And he was serious. And the two friends were actually a little bit afraid. And when Matthews told these friends that, okay, these two people are on the hit list, Peterson went to them privately and said, hey, don't go to Matthews' house for anything. You have to promise me you won't do that. And I guess that's a 14-year-old's way of protecting his friends. But, like, what do you do? You turn your friend in, he's a little crazy. You know how it is when you're a teenager. All right, so this ramps up to November... 19th 1986 and this was the day that rod matthews was going to murder sean Olette for literally no reason and the two other friends tried to talk to him and all this other stuff but he was hell-bent on creating this list and everything else but there was a saving grace on november 19th 1986 there was a massive snowstorm so he discarded his plan but he picked it up again the next day and things would go sideways so rod matthews told these friends peterson and cash that he had decided to kill sean oulette because he was new to the area a little unpopular kind of chubby and he relayed the fact that he didn't think sean oulette would be missed so i don't know what the friends say to this should have immediately went to the police or their teachers and now they know that but man that's going to be a heavy burden to carry i should also place into the podcast that rod matthews had also sent letters to his teacher or notes really and these notes stated that he liked to light fires and he fantasized about killing people especially people who had wronged him and If you're looking for red flags in this case, they were all over the place. I don't know what the teacher did with the information. I know these two kids didn't do anything with the information until it was too late. But November 20th, 1986, it was a school day, and Rod Matthews in school had invited Sean Olette over to his house to hang out. And Sean, being a good kid and a new kid, jump right on it. He went over to Rod Matthews' house and they played pool, hanging out, having some snacks. They leave there and Rod Matthews is carrying a baseball bat and he stated that he had to return the bat to another friend and they do that after they went to the woods. And I've heard a few stories about why they were going to the woods. One story was that they were going to build a fort. The other was to light off fireworks. So I don't know what ruse Matthews used to get Ouellette into the woods, but those are two stories that I've heard. So Sean and Rod Matthews walked to the woods. Matthews has Sean Ouellette walk in front of him. Rod Matthews stepped in the tracks laid down by Sean Ouellette, so it would look like one person was there. And when they got deep enough into the woods, Rod Matthews raised the bat and struck Sean Ouellette on his head on the back of his head. Sean didn't know what was happening. Fell down to his hands and knees, cried out for help to his friend. His friend responded by crushing his head with four more blows from a baseball bat for no reason. Matthews then wipes off the bat in the snow and turns around and walks back out the same way he came, tracing Sean's steps, literally you know, putting his feet in Sean's footprints. So he was trying to get away with this. There's no doubt about that. Hey, guys, I just wanted to give a quick shout-out to one of our sponsors this week, Cookies for Breakfast. It's another podcast, but it's a comedy podcast, and it's by Spark Tabor, a professional comedian. If you're not familiar with Spark Tabor, check him out on YouTube. He's absolutely hilarious, and... His comedy routine on stage kind of translates directly into this podcast. They say the topics vary, right? There's dating, everyday life, sports, all this. But sometimes all of these topics are right within this one podcast. It's all over the place, but it's well done. I'd actually like to know if there's a script for this show because it's just so rapid fire. It's so funny, guys. Check it out. Cookies for Breakfast podcast by Spark Tabor. Check it out on Apple and leave them a review. If you like Boston Confidential, you're definitely going to be down with cookies for breakfast. All right, guys. So just after the murder, Rod Matthews walks gleefully to Peterson's house. And he can't wait to tell Robert Peterson what he had done. Peterson didn't believe him. And Matthews took him to the body in the woods and he saw it. And Peterson asked, why do you do it? He said, just for the hell of it. So they walk out of there, and Peterson goes home and calls the other friend, Jonathan Cash. He tells Jonathan Cash exactly what Rod Matthews had done, stating that I've seen the body. It's out in the woods. And Cash wouldn't believe him, just wouldn't accept it at all. And this would go on for a few more days at school. And... One of the kids would say, I don't believe you. You know, Jonathan Cash would say, I don't believe you. And the other kid would say, well, where's Sean? And that's exactly the right question. A few days later, Matthews brings Peterson and Cash again to the murder site. And at this point, he threatens me, says, this could happen to you, so keep your mouth shut. So during this time frame, the police investigation ramps up, and they're looking for Sean Ouellette all over the place. And it's just not like Sean to do this, to be gone with no trace. And they knew he had been at Rod Matthews' house. That had been confirmed. By that point, I think Rod Matthews had been interrogated at the police station two or three times, and the kid's blood pressure doesn't even rise while he's sitting in the interrogation box with these detectives. It's just insane. By the fourth time Rod Matthews interrogated by the police. At that time, he does admit the fact that Sean was at his house, but he tried to lay some breadcrumbs on these detectives saying, yeah, he said he wanted to run away, he was being abused at home, and all this other BS. Detectives didn't buy it, and they started zeroing in on Rod Matthews right away. All this time, Sean is still missing, and he's missing into early December. It was at this point that one of these two friends cash and peterson do what we're all cheering for them to do is go to the police i know they were afraid in their teenagers they do stupid stupid things and these two kids did something stupid here but they tried to fix it and they, i guess they did so jonathan cash goes back to where he knows the body still lays and he makes some notes of the surroundings like a map And he leaves there and goes home and sends an anonymous letter to the police department, and Sean Ouellette's body is found. It had been savaged by animals, left out in the elements, the whole nine yards, but they found Sean and were able to put him in some consecrated ground. So that had to be some relief to the family. I know they had to have been going through hell. They still are, but those dark days must have been virtually impossible. So the police receive this letter and immediately they go recover the body and begin their investigations. And I guess just a few days later, December 13th, 86, Rod Matthews is finally arrested for this heinous murder. I'm sorry guys, this one just gets to me. I was just a few years older than these kids at the time. I know there's a big difference between 14 and 18 it doesn't have much to do with me anyways, but I remember the case so well and... Just thinking about Sean Ouellette's mother, Jean, man, it, just, it tears me up, really. So Rod Matthews is 14, obviously a juvenile. From April 87 to May 87, basically the end of May 1987, they go back and forth as how this kid is going to be tried. Will Rod Matthews be tried as an adult or will he be tried as a juvenile? As it shook out, he was... Deemed capable to be tried as an adult in this case, and the Commonwealth got that one right. So he was going to trial on charges of first-degree murder as an adult. So if you think about the trial, there's really no other avenue except insanity in this case, because he had told other people, right? He had told the two friends exactly what he had done. He had showed them what he had done. And he had threatened them that he'd do it to them if they told the authorities. So the case was, from a factual standpoint, open and shut. The only real issue was this kid's insanity. But there were really no precursors to say that this kid was this crazy. It seems like he had a normal home life. And even if he didn't, man, this is just such an outlier to do that, to talk about it with these people saying, I wanna kill all these people on the list, and then going ahead and doing it is just insane for a 14-year-old boy. But what you have to remember is it's a high bar to prove insanity in the state of Massachusetts and actually in the rest of the country as well. Most of these insanity defenses fail, and Rod Matthews' insanity defense ultimately failed as well. If you have the time, and the inclination in this case, go take a look at Rod Matthews. He's all over YouTube. Just punch his name in. But look at him in court. He seems pissed off. He's always super angry and intense looking. And he's got this flaming red hair. He just seems like a violent kid when you look at him in court. He was initially indicted for first-degree homicide, but on March 10th, 1988, A jury found Rod Matthews guilty of murder in the second degree. The judge ended up sentencing him to life imprisonment, and he gave him an opportunity for parole after serving 15 full years in prison. I'm sorry, but that is just an absolute travesty in this case. Do the math, guys. Rod Matthews, if he did that time the way the judge outlined it, he was 14 when he was convicted, served 15 years, and then you get paroled. You know how old you are? You're 29. 29 year old Rod Matthews walking among us, who can't even say why he did it. He can't say why he committed this homicide. Not really. So, naturally, when Rod Matthews was in prison, all this nonsense in the criminal justice system kept coming out about convicted juvenile murderers and They're not the same people. Their brains aren't fully developed. You want this guy behind you in the woods with a baseball bat? Maybe he's just going to a softball game at age 30, right? He's been out of prison. He served his time. You want him behind you or your kids? Because I don't. I do have to single somebody out in this case. Professor Alan Fox at Northeastern University. The guy is a brilliant mind when it comes to criminal justice and all this i'll give him that but his adoption of rod matthews as the poster child for early release just grates on me and his rationale is just foolish i have to say that i try to keep politics out of this podcast it's just liberal dogma they think for some reason that these people who've committed murder and now they're being punished for it are oppressed and i just don't get it You want this guy, Rod Matthews, living next to you and your family? Because I know this guy, Professor Fox, probably doesn't want him in his neighborhood. But he says, oh, yeah, release him. He's a changed man. He's done a lot of work in prison in terms of therapy and all this. What else does he have to do in the joint but act like he wants to get out, right? The only way to get out is to act like you're cured. It's all a farce. I don't know how these people buy. So this goofball hasn't gotten parole yet. But the last time he was up for parole, I know he went up for parole in 2001. It was shot down 2007. This was a televised event and was in all the news. And Rod Matthews is still a pretty slight person. He's lost all of his red hair. Still looks kind of intense to me. But he was crying like a baby on the stand at the parole hearing. Sean Olette's mother just doesn't buy it and just tells him right to his face he says yeah he was crying in there i was going to offer him my handkerchief because those were just crocodile tears i think they were more than crocodile tears he was crying real tears but the tears were for rod matthews not sean allett to be quite frank in this case i'm surprised rod matthews hasn't been released yet but he'll be up for parole i believe sometime this year i think it's every five or six years so He's getting close. And I think next time he gets out, he's got a lot of powerful people backing his release. I just don't know how people want to spend that time being a cheerleader for Rod Matthews. It's absolutely insane. There's another psychologist, and he's on TV all the time. Sometimes he's on Dr. Phil Kinshriff or something like that. He does a lot of criminal justice work. He's also a coat holder for Rod Matthews. So. I just don't get it. This guy can't even say why he did it. He basically says he had a childhood where he was emotionally cramped or something like that. It just wasn't even a defense. He just doesn't know why he wanted to kill him. He wanted to kill him and he did it. So one of the areas of interest in this case, at least for me, were the two friends, Robert Peterson and Jonathan Cash. Jonathan Cash ended up doing the right thing. The kid must have been terrified at a certain point, right? But he goes back, draws a map, and sends an anonymous letter to the police. And it doesn't take the police long to track it back to Cash and Peterson. And Cash and Peterson end up confessing their limited involvement in it. They just didn't tell the authorities. You know, they have been threatened with being beaten with a baseball bat by Rod Matthews. That would definitely give you pause. And don't forget what teenagers go through. Oh, I don't want to be a rat, not tattletale and all this stuff. But they eventually came to the right decisions, and they testified against Matthews. Both Peterson and Cash testified, and it was really the nail in the coffin for Rod Matthews' case. So give the kids a little bit of a break. I'm sure they're pretty hot on themselves, even to this day, but... I try to give him a bit of a slide on this. They were just kids. I'm pretty confident that Rod Matthews gets out next time, but what is the goddamn plan for that guy, right? You want to be on the MBTA bus in Canton next to Rod Matthews, who's just served, what, 40 years in prison? It's just completely absurd. I believe Rod Matthews should get out of prison right when Sean Ouellette comes back right when genie quinn oulette's mom stops her suffering right he was sentenced to life in prison he should do life in prison i get it they gave him an opportunity for parole but the parole board sees that this guy's still a loon. keep him in there my god one thing i did want to point out in this case the Police chief, the Canton police chief, Ken Berkowitz, has been a tremendous advocate for Sean Olette and the Olette family. He goes to every parole hearing and he's very eloquent in speaking to the parole board and writing letters to the parole board, and he hasn't stopped. So kudos to Chief Berkowitz on that one. Also, you know, guys, I've gotten some feedback on my positions on parole and Somebody had written in the success rate is astronomical now. Before parole was kind of a gamble. They've cut down on that a little bit, but man, I just see cases like Jack McGuire murdered by a parolee, and Rod Matthews could be just that type of guy where he goes out and does it again. You're going to give this guy another opportunity when he doesn't even know why he hit a friend with a baseball bat four or five times and left him in the woods. It's just not worth the risk, guys. You have to weigh that. This guy's a violent bastard. He belongs in prison. Keep him there. I think kind of an interesting aspect of this case, or at least maybe doing it going forward, would be to speak with Robert Peterson and Jonathan Cash and find out how they were treated after this. Were they welcome back into the community? Were they treated as pariahs? Did the family have to move? I don't have any of that information. It would take a while for me to do. But if anybody knows these two guys, drop me a line. Barry at BostonConfidential.net. And it's just an interesting aspect because they should have done the right thing when Rod Matthews started talking about a hit list and stating that he was going to do this homicide on November 19th. I get it. He waited until November 20th, but those kids should have went to a teacher. They should have went to the authorities, and I'm sure it haunts them to this day. At least I hope it does. That would show they're at least good people, right, that they have some remorse over this, and I think they do, and they acquitted themselves pretty well at trial, so they made up for their errors, cut them some slack, guys. I know I've asked you that before, but I try to look back my teenage years. I was a bit lost, too, you know? I'd just like to give a shout-out to Jeannie Quinn, Mr. Olette's mom. She had been a lioness during this whole thing, and she doesn't take crap, and she'll just put it right on you. I've seen her at the parole hearings, and, man, she's a tiger. And she's also advocated for victims' rights in Massachusetts since this happened. She's actually been pretty instrumental in that movement. So she's done an excellent job. She's put her grief to work, and she says, actually, She's forgiven Rod Matthews, but she's forgiven him for her own good because I believe she's a Christian and had to move on from this hatred that this murder put into her. So she, at this last parole hearing, stated, Rod, I forgive you, but she said that there's a big difference between forgiveness and forgetting, and she's never going to forget And I don't think Rod Matthews is going to forget. And I hope he remembers all the way to his dying day. And I hope that dying day is in a state of Massachusetts maximum security prison, because that's exactly where this animal belongs. All right, guys, I'm going to leave you there. I believe this goofball Matthews will be up for parole in 2021 or 2022. And I'm going to wager that he gets it this time. So I'll give you an update when that hits the news. But otherwise, I'm going to leave you there, and I'm going to get on to the next one. But hey, listen, don't forget, you have a homework assignment. Watch Trial 4 on Netflix. We're going to do it by month's end. All right, guys, I'll see you on the flip side.